0: Blue Liar. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford it up, going left side, Watch Calvin, end zone, got him, oh baby that was a rocket! And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade, no one will catch him, touchdown Lions! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Regents Field, DoorDash, and Bet Online. Hopefully, you enjoyed yesterday's mailbag podcast. I know it was a long one, it was probably one of our longest non interview podcasts that we've done in the 130 or so episodes that we've produced. In the past year as we're actually approaching our one-year anniversary date-wise of our first show, which is really exciting. Happy to be have made it one year. Hopefully you've stuck around or if you found us, maybe you went back and listened to some of the older episodes, especially with some Lions players that we had on last season. Our actual one-year anniversary will be on Friday. So all that, super, super exciting. Happy to still be here a year out. So today, here's what we're going to do. This is going to be a much shorter podcast than the one we did a day ago because the Lions are in a bye. So they're not going to have anything happen really until at least Monday. They did have a practice squad signing today, but I wouldn't read too much into that, especially because I just wouldn't read all that much into that at this point when it comes to any of the guys that could potentially come off injured reserve here down the road, whether that's Joe Dahl or Bo Scarborough or Justin Coleman or Mike Ford. But Bo Scarborough, obviously with him being a running back, would be the one that maybe that's a sign of where he is or where he isn't. But just, you know, just saying that the signing of Feaster, who is out of Clemson in South Carolina, is not one to me that, you know, I think they're doing it because they want a certain type of body. As they've done in the past and we'll see how they feel about the talent level as we go because if maybe they'll call them up or they protect him, whatever so today's podcast we're going to look at two things we're going to look at the rookies and kind of how they've done so far we're going to go down rookie by rookie and then we're going to after the break take a look at kind of some of the surprises and disappointments so far player wise when it comes to the first quarter of the season. So. Let's dig in. Let's start with the rookies. And obviously we'll begin with the first round pick number three overall, Jeff Okuda. Okuda has been an interesting situation. He was obviously injured the first week of the year. So he didn't play due to that hamstring injury. And he's started two of the three games for the Lions so far. He's played a good amount. He has an interception. He's got a pass defense. But it's been up and down, and that's exactly what you should have expected out of Jeff Okuda. I know I've said it a lot. I know you're probably sick of hearing it, but the combination of no spring, no training camp, or limited type of training camp, no preseason games, and it was always going to be tough for Jeff Okuda right off of the bat to come in and make a massive impact. I think what he has been able to do and how he has pushed and showed progress week over week which he has done is a good sign for him and for the Lions overall it's very clear that he is learning as he goes and that was always going to be what it was going to be for him even when he was drafted back in April remember like I talked with people who he co- who coached him. I talked to people who knew him who all said the same thing that they think he's going to be really good, but there will be the ups and downs that he has as a rookie. And it's all how he handles that mentally. And so far, I think we've seen he's handled it. I think all right. Mentally, we don't know for sure because he hasn't talked to the media a ton yet, but I think he's been about where I expected. He also had a really tough go of it for a while here early on because his first matchup was against Devontae Adams and that's just honestly really tough, not necessarily fair matchup for him to have. And I would place that as much on you know, some of the coaching and some of the coaching decisions as it would as I would on Jeff Okuda. I think he handled himself okay with what the assignment was when he was matched up against DeAndre Hopkins. He largely kept Hopkins in front of him. He did pick off Kyler Murray and then last week against New Orleans, I mean, I don't think anyone in their defense had a particularly good game, but he didn't strike me as like terribly bad. I know his PFF rating is not good at all, but I would just caution and say PFF is only one metric when you're looking at things, and just to remind yourself of that, and I always, I, I don't care who the player is or what the position is, I will always say that when it comes to PFF. I think they do a very good job, but it's only one thing to really kind of measure a player on, that there's a lot more that goes into it than that. And I would just kind of point out one other thing when it comes to Jeff Okuda. I would imagine that he probably gets more time going forward here. Now, we don't know how serious Desmond Trufant injury is and you know we'll probably find a little bit more out about that next week but I would imagine they're going to work him more and more because you're going to see him I think start to get better and start to be able to recognize more and more I know I've said that a few times options and things of what's happening as he goes so that's kind of my takeaway a little bit on Jeff Okuda the second round pick DeAndre Swift I think Swift has largely given the Lions what they expected from him. Now, he obviously had that really bad drop in week one that cost the Lions a win in some ways. There was a lot of things that cost the Lions the win against the Bears, but the drop in the end zone, you know, that that's a, that's a killer. And he's rebounded well from that. He really has, if you think about it. He's played a decent amount in two of the three games that followed. And... He's been what you expected from him. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. You saw that on some of the routes that he ran against the Saints, including the touchdown that he ran. I mean, that was a perfect route. That's exactly what you want to see on an angle route, a Texas route. And I think he's run the ball well and hard when he's gotten it. Now, he hasn't gotten it a ton. He's only gotten 12 carries for 42 yards. Uh, 3.5 yards a carry. But a lot of that has to do with the emergence of Adrian Peterson. And also, in some ways, some game situations. You saw what they were trying to do against the Cardinals. That was going to be a heavy Peterson game. I think they were going to attempt to do something similar, it looked like, against the Saints. But then it really started to get away from them. Plus, the Saints are more of a ball control team than the Cardinals are. So I think you're going to, much like Okuda, see just more out of Swift. Going forward here, especially after the buy, and I think they can figure out more ways to work him in if his pass pro gets a little better. I think you could easily see him as their primary third down back. He's already a guy that clearly they rely on in two minute situations, and he's a guy that is really good as a pass catcher. I think he's shown when he has carried the ball some explosiveness that the other Lions running backs don't have, and all of that bodes well for his future. Again, this is. Pretty much the type of player and the player you thought you were going to get when they drafted him. He's just maybe not getting as much run as you thought. But that is more due to the Lions signing of Adrian Peterson and then Adrian Peterson largely playing very well than anything I think DeAndre Swift has done so far. Remember, to that when Carrion Johnson was a rookie, Matt Patricia took him along slowly. Obviously, they used him a lot in that third week when they beat New England, but you really didn't see a ton of him until they played Miami. And that, to me, was the game where you really saw what Carrion Johnson could do. And you could see one of those from DeAndre Swift coming up because he hasn't gotten a ton of carries yet. His high in carries is five against the Packers, but and he had 12 rushing yards in that game, 2.4 yards a carry. That's not great, but look what he did against the Saints: four carries, 22 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. He also, I just thought he really ran well, and, and that's a good—I know—say a couple times that's a good sign. We'll take a look at a couple of third-round picks, and then we'll go into the break. The third, two third-round picks. One is really easy to judge. One, I think, he has an incomplete. We'll start with Julian Okwara. And I just think Julian O'Quarrie, there's not much you can really say about him at this point. He's gotten very limited work. Remember, he is coming off a very bad leg injury that he was largely fine for during training camp. But you know, again, not only did he miss the spring and miss the preseason, but he also missed a good chunk of his last college season. So there's even a larger learning curve when it comes to Julian O'Quarrie. I think he's shown potential. I think that you've seen that potential here and there with him more so in training camp than in actual games but he's just gotten very limited work during games he was a healthy scratch for one week and I think that shows kind of maybe where he is in the rotation he's a guy again like the others that I expect will come along a little bit more as they go here but he has no tackles so far he's largely been used on special teams when he has played and that's just I think where he might be for right now although it would be interesting to see how they handle him coming out of the bye because maybe he's a guy that they really try to be more creative for especially since they just haven't gotten much out of their pass rush other than his brother Romeo and Trey Flowers really at all when it comes to defensive linemen he's played 25 total defensive snaps of those 20 of those have been pass rush snaps and just hasn't really been able to, you know, generate much um, at all. So that's where I think he is at the moment. Jota Jackson, however, on the other hand, I think has done quite well. And he's already had to handle a switch from right guard to left guard. And we'll see what happens when Joe Dahl comes back, whether the Lions stick with their current offensive line situation or they put Joe Dahl back in the lineup and maybe move Jonah Jackson back to right guard. But then the other question there would be, well, what do they end up doing with the Ralph Crosby-Halapuli-Vitae situation? Because one of those guys, if you move Jonah Jackson back to right guard, is probably going to the bench. And that's a good problem to have for the Lions because I think it means they have six competent offensive lineman at least and you can feel good about that but jonah jackson has been the team's best rookie by far i think he's been the smartest rookie that they've had the and he's been pretty pretty darn sharp i mean here's some of from espn stats and information some of his numbers he has an 89 percent pass block win rate he has an 89.7 pass block win rate as part of a double team He has given up two sacks, which is not great. But again, he's already a rookie that's played two different positions. So I think you kind of have to give him a little bit of leeway there when it comes to that. He is learning. He is a rookie. And I think he's handled himself really, really well. And the Lions should be very happy with what they have gotten out of him so far. When he has been in a single team, he has won 87.9% of his blocks as well so for a rookie still learning the league as we talked about with only a certain level of experience that's that's really really good and that's something that I think the Lions can feel really really good about and he was great against the Saints he had a 100% pass block win rate all across the board um, when he was facing New Orleans so that is even better news I think for the Lions there as he's showing that he is maybe getting even better. And again, those stats courtesy of ESPN stats information. We'll be back right after the break with a look at the day three prospects, and then we'll get into some some surprises and disappointments so far in the Lions right here on the Michael Rothstein Show. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. And listen, as it gets colder out, I know you don't necessarily want to go out as much. Neither do I. So DoorDash is a great option to still get great food brought to you and then you don't have to cook, which is something I don't really do at least all that well. Ordering. Listen, it's easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Nothing to me screams good food, good fast food at least, like the Chipotle Burrito Bowl. One of my favorites. And so many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, your food. It'll be on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, code is BlueWire. $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And are you looking for somewhere to go? Go check out Regents Field on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. They are open again. They're showing all the games, all NFL, all college football, Big Ten football is coming back. They're going to be showing all those games. They've got free ball, free darts, and they've got some free NBA jam. They're going to have drink specials as well. So go check them out. Regents Field on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. Now. Back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. So we'll go through the day three draft prospects now, and it's a little bit quicker in some instances with the day three guys just because of the fact that a large majority of them have not made a massive impact at this point. So we'll start with Logan Stenberg, who is their fourth-round pick out of Kentucky, offensive lineman. He hasn't really done much. Uh, He's barely played. He hasn't, I don't believe, played a single offensive snap yet. So at this point, he's got a giant incomplete. But he was a guy that even when they drafted him, you felt like, okay, he's probably going to be a player that they stash and develop just because of some of the penalty issues that he maybe had at Kentucky. And also they were kicking around playing him at center for a minute as a backup center behind Frank Ragnow. So they were moving him around, cross-training him multiple spots. So I wouldn't read into anything at that point, at this point, with him. Quintes Cephas, the receiver, obviously we know he got a lot of run early on when Kenny Galladay was hurt. Kind of in some ways a really surprising amount of run ahead of Marvin Hall, who I thought might have gotten a lot of work when Kenny Galladay was out. But Cephas, six catches, 97 yards so far. That's not terrible. He hasn't caught a pass in two games, though, which isn't surprising considering when Kenny Galladay returned, he was going to get a lot less work and a lot less snaps, which is pretty much exactly what happened. But I think you saw some of the potential. Clearly, they had some hope they have some hope for him considering the spot that they put him in early in his career in week one because he had don't forget 10 targets in the first week of the season he caught three of those passes for 43 yards that was a rough opening assignment for him he had three targets and caught all of them in week two against the Packers he's run four routes combined in the past two weeks as long as Kenny Galladay Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola stay healthy figure that His workload is going to be largely maybe as a blocker in some situations, and then he'll occasionally run a route when he's out on the field. But I wouldn't expect a lot from him unless there's injury again at some point this year. That's just kind of, I think, where he is at this point. Jason Huntley has been released, no longer on the team. He is now in Philadelphia. And just if you're curious what he's done in Philly... He has had one rush for one yard on one offensive snap, and that is about it. He has not really done anything else at this point, and that's just kind of where he is. And honestly, if he were with the Lions still, I don't even know if he would have gotten that because I don't even know if he would have ended up being an active player any week so far. John Panassini. The defensive tackle from Utah, he has played a little bit, and he has done okay. I mean, he's a rotational player. He has six tackles. He's got one tackle for loss. He's giving you probably what you thought he would as a sixth-round pick, which is not a lot. He's a rotational player. He's a guy that, frankly, I don't even know how much work he would have gotten if there weren't some injuries and opt-outs whether it be John Atkins who opted out or Jay Sean Cornell, the seventh-round pick, we will just cover right now. He's obviously out for the year on injured reserve. So, I mean, I think you're getting what you you may be expected from John Penasini. So I I can't really come down too hard on him because, again, sixth-round pick, you know it's going to take time in almost every case. So the fact that he's playing and playing in a rotation now, granted, it's a rotation that has really been struggling to say the least and a defensive line group that just isn't isn't great um is a problem but he's also more of a run stopper than a pass rusher so that's part of it too only 22 of his 66 defensive snaps have been pass rush plays so he's largely been in on running downs typically so I would not read too much into any sort of pass rush issues with him. The fact that he's got six tackles in four games, in 66 total snaps, that's not terrible. So I think you can kind of take that and say, okay, that's maybe where you thought he might be. So then obviously there's one undrafted rookie, Hunter Bryant hasn't played at all yet. So too early to cast judgment on him as he's coming back from an injury. Those are the Lions rookies. Now we'll hit a few surprises and disappointments. And I think any place when it comes to surprises in a positive vein has to start with the running backs and specifically with Adrian Peterson. When the Lions signed Adrian Peterson, there was questions as why they were doing it. And you didn't know how much necessarily he had left because Washington got rid of him. And it's not like Washington's running back room was super, super talented. They were very young. But we just didn't know what they were going to be able to do. And what you've gotten out of Adrian Peterson is a, a pretty good running back still. He said he leads the team in carries with 54. He leads the team in yards with 245. He has a rushing touchdown. He's averaging 4.5 yards a carry, which is better than on Johnson or DeAndre Swift. So I know there are people out there that are annoyed that – Adrian Peterson is taking work from Carrion Johnson or DeAndre Swift, but Adrian Peterson right now is the better running back and has been the more productive running back. And you can say, well, they've had smaller sample sizes, and I would say, sure, that's that's fair. But on Johnson still has 21 carries, and he only has 71 yards on those 21 carries. And DeAndre Swift has 12 carries or 42 yards. Again, I think you saw a little bit more out of him, and I expect you might see even more from him going forward as I think their running back snap counts could be closer to what you maybe saw against the Saints, where Peterson had more than Swift, but it was much closer to an equal split than what it was against the Cardinals, where Adrian Peterson completely dominated those carries. But I still think Peterson will be the lead back in a lot of instances and a lot of cases. I mean, listen, Peterson even has more targets and more catches than carry on Johnson, so he's clearly getting the nod over him. Swift has been the better pass catching back, 13 receptions, 124 yards, but that's also really what you're asking out of him from a role. So Adrian Peterson, to me, has been a very good surprise in a positive vein. Jack Fox, we would be remiss if we don't talk about him. He has been maybe one of the best players the Lions have, period, which, again, and I've said it a couple of times, not great when your punter is one of your best players comparative to position in the NFL. And Jack Fox has been awesome. And I, you know, if you listen to this podcast, I thought that Aaron Stepos was going to win that job and he's still on the practice squad. But Jack Fox has been everything the Lions would have hoped for. And in some ways more, he's averaging 63.1 yards per kickoff He's averaging 53.4 yards a punt. He's kicked a 67-yard punt. The coverage has been quite good. If you look even more at some of his averages, I mean, he's just really been so sharp throughout the year. And it's been something that's got him NFC Special Teams Player of the Month as a rookie. In his first month, well, rookie-ish. In his first month in the NFL, punting balls in the NFL, like, that's pretty doggone good and i think that that's something that you know he can really kind of hang his hat on right now he is averaging 53.4 yards per punt as we mentioned and that is tops in the NFL right now so you take that if you're the Detroit Lions uh, i think you take that and you you run with it and you hope it continues and maybe you just solidify the position Jack Fox is all of 24 years old. Maybe you just solidified that position for the next decade. And you have it now be something like you had with your kickers, where it's getting Prater and Hanson and Eddie Murray just for so, so long. And maybe you've avoid some of those blips that other teams tend to have. So he has been, to me, another really positive surprise for the Lions. I think Jamie Collins has largely been a positive surprise surprise for the lions as well i know that obviously their defense has really really been struggling but collins has been effective 22 tackles two quarterback hits which is more than almost any detroit lions player except for romeo aquara who has four and two sacks romeo aquara by the way leads the lions in both those categories but a lot of that came against the Saints as far as that activity, although he started to step things up a little bit more. Collins has also defended two passes. He does have a sack. He has an interception. And, you know, the big thing with him in a negative vein was what happened in week one where he got ejected. Still a terrible decision by him, but I think he's made up for it really in the last three weeks. I think he's been one of Detroit's better defensive players and definitely most active defensive players. So to me... In a positive vein, I think you can look at Jamie Collins. Looking at offense, we'll target a couple of more people here. In a positive vein, TJ Hawkinson is pretty much giving you what you thought he might at the start of the season. He's been targeted 20 times. He has 15 catches, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. So what does that equal out to for the season? That's not bad numbers at all and probably numbers that you would take because that would mean that he has 60 catches this season for 720 yards and theoretically 8 touchdowns that's a good second year that is a second year that you can build on and I think you can then say well if he takes another step from year 2 to year 3 now obviously some of that is with health and I think that you could see even Hawkins get more involved as the season goes on but That could put him maybe getting ready for year three in a situation where maybe he threatens for a thousand yards. Maybe he threatens for 75 catches, especially if the lions end up retooling some of their offense with right now, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola all in contract years. And then who knows what's going to happen with the coaching staff at this point. So could end up playing in even a more tight end friendly offense if the Lions end up moving on from their current staff or maybe he ends up in an offense where he doesn't have as large of a role and, you know, we'll see what happens there because we've obviously seen that happen in some other places with some highly touted tight ends. But right now, TJ Hawkinson, I think, is showing what a lot of people hoped he would maybe as a rookie, but obviously he dealt with a couple of injuries there. But he looks like he's completely healthy off of that ankle injury and he's been playing well. So that's another guy I wanted to target in a positive vein. And I think the other guy is Kenny Galladay. Sure, he's only played in two games. His numbers aren't great. 10 catches for 119 yards. But he already has two touchdowns. He's averaging 59.5 yards per game. He even said in his first game back against Arizona, he wasn't at 100% yet. So he's still clearly rounding into form and... I think you might see after the bye, the Kenny Galladay that you're used to seeing, and that can open up, to me, the entire offense, and maybe that can help get Matthew Stafford on track as well. So to me, Kenny Galladay has also been a very positive influence and, in a very positive way, important for this Detroit Lions team. Looking at some disappointments so far, I I think you can start, I'm just focusing on players here. We're going to get to maybe the quarter poll with coaching and, and some other stuff in a podcast tomorrow, but when we're looking at players specifically, Matthew Stafford's been somewhat of a disappointment to me Um, on multiple levels. I just think he's really been struggling in some games. He's completing 60.6% of his passes for 1017 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. The interception numbers aren't bad. Although consider in 8 games last year he had only 5 interceptions, but his TD percentage is down 5.8% of his throws. His completion percentage and this is one that's really would be concerning to me. This is his lowest completion percentage as of now. And granted, it's only a quarter of a season sample size, but if that extrapolates throughout the whole year, it's his lowest completion percentage since the 2014 season when he threw for four thousand two hundred fifty seven yards, twenty-two touchdowns, twelve interceptions, only three point seven touchdown percentage. That is the lowest percent one the one of the lowest percentages of his career. But when you look at that number, um it shows that he's not as accurate as he has been, and whether that was under Joe Lombardi, whether that was under Jim Bob Cooter, whether that was under Daryl Bevel, that's still a marked drop-off from where he has been the last few years, where he's largely been 67.2, 65.3, 65.7, 66.1, 64.3. Two of his games so far, he's been under 60% completion percentage. That's not great either. His interception percentage is at 22 He's largely been at 2.0 or under since the 2016 season. So that's something to be a little bit concerned about. 7.4 yards per attempt, 7.6 air yards per attempt. Those are way down from a year ago when he was 8.6 and 9.1. Those are even down below some of the Caldwell numbers or more in some of the Caldwell-era numbers where he was being asked to throw shorter passes. And they weren't necessarily taking advantage of his arm strength. So those are, again, some things that you look at. He's also been sacked 12 times already this year after being sacked 18 times total in eight games. Now, some of that is on the offensive line for sure. But a lot of the sacks he's taken have been much more of coverage sacks where the offensive line has done their job. And Stafford just held the ball too long. Obviously, there are a couple of critical ones that we know about, specifically one against the Packers, specifically one against the Bears. Those are two that definitely stand out. But those are things that, that he generally doesn't necessarily do. His sack, rate, his sack percentage right now, and this is through Pro Football Reference, is 8.1%. Right now, that would be, according to Pro Football Reference, the highest total in his career, well above the 5.8% last year. And even when he had bad offensive lines, really kind of in part of the Caldwell era and even earlier, his highest was 7.7%. And that was in 2017, where Stafford was sacked 47 times. So to me, that's something that is, I think, a little bit more on Stafford because I don't think the offensive line has been that bad. Stafford's just, he has seemed off in a lot of ways, so far this year and hopefully the bye week gets him on track for what the lions are trying to do because otherwise this is going to be potentially a really interesting year for matthew stafford because for whatever reason it just seems like it's not totally come together yet uh and it's not entirely clear why that is defensively we'll stick there And I think another disappointment, and this is through no fault of his own, but Desmond Trufant just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Neither has Deshaun Hand. Hand's popped up on the injury report a few times, even though he has played. Um, Desmond Trufant has now been had to leave two of the four games due to injury, and he didn't play in the other two. So the hamstring injuries, now hamstring injuries can be so tricky, and I, I don't like to blame players for injury, but the Lions signed him to be their number one corner to pair with either Amani Awarie or Jeff Okuda, and they just haven't been able to do that. So that has to be frustrating for the Lions. When you're sticking on defense, though, and I mentioned him already, to me, Deshaun Hand is a pretty big disappointment. You, If you're the Lions, you had high hopes for him in the middle of the defensive line. He's already become kind of somewhat of an afterthought. He's, again, like I said, been battling injuries again after battling injuries all of last year. He has seven tackles so far. He has no tackles for loss. He has no sacks. He has no quarterback pressures. Like he just hasn't really been able to do a ton yet. And he is playing a decent amount. I mean, he play, he's played about somewhere between 43 and 63% of defensive snaps, which is about – you know, maybe some of the numbers you might expect uh, in more of a rotation. Uh, And it's just really not been going well for him so far this year. And I think if you're the Lions, that's that's probably a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, I would say Will Harris, for what the Lions have been kind of expecting out of him, has been a little bit of a disappointment. He's struggled in pass coverage He's obviously played a lot. They clearly were counting on him early on as they were using him a ton early. They have now since ceded to Tracy Walker, who you know how I feel about Tracy Walker when it comes to this podcast. I think he's been one of the Lions' better defenders, period. And he's now put himself back in a position where he's on the field basically every snap, and he's taken a lot of Will Harris's work. But clearly the Lions thought they saw something in Will Harris, and they may still see something in Will Harris, but you know, he he's definitely lost some snaps and and he's losing playing time at this point. Another guy I think that is a disappointment is Nick Williams. So far, he's started three games. Sure, he left uh, Sunday's game due to injury. But six tackles total, no sacks, no quarterback hits. This, this is after he was coming off of a six-sack year with the Bears that the Lions were hoping would be the start of something, and maybe something he could build on. He had nine quarterback hits that year, and maybe he ends up getting there with six sacks and with nine quarterback hits. There's still plenty of time time in the season for that to happen, but considering they were relying on him to be an interior pass rusher, so far they just haven't gotten that out of him, and he looks more and more like he is the player that he was before he played that one season with the Bears in 2019 where – he played a lot of games. He didn't start games a bunch necessarily. He's had, but he was way more of a rotational player. Listen, he has a much larger role in Detroit than he had in any of his other stops. Considering really before last year in Chicago, he had never played more than 17% of defensive snaps. Now he's playing this year about 35% of defensive snaps. But he's just the their production as far as a pass rusher just hasn't been there yet. Now again, maybe that comes. It's only a quarter of the way through the season. But so far, a quarter of the way through, when you look at what the Lions invested in him and hoped for him is in a two-year $10 million contract, he hasn't really delivered on that contract yet. And that, again, to me would be something that I would consider, I think, a disappointment a quarter of the way through the year. Now, again, there is a lot of time for that to change, but that to me are just some of the the players i mean we could go through every player on the roster if you wanted, it but i don't think we need to do that at this point maybe that's something we do at midseason. but right now just want to highlight a few of those guys and like i said some of these guys they've been injured nick williams has struggled a little bit with injuries deshaun hand has struggled a little bit with injuries desmond trufon has clearly struggled with injuries and has been struggling to stay on the field but considering the roles that the lions were hoping for these players that they haven't been able to fill fulfill them is something that has i think affected where they are defensively so far this year. So that's what I've got for today. I want to thank, as always, my sponsors, DoorDash, Regent's Field, and Bet Online. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Please think about leaving us a five-star review if you'd be so kind on Apple. And we will talk with you again tomorrow. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Online today... And get, take advantage of all of the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code bluewire at betonline.ag. That's bluewire, all one word. Bet online, you're online. Sportsbook experts.